Chapter Seventeen of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume One by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen: The Punishment. The scene we are about to describe took place in a room hung with red and brilliantly lighted. Rodolph, clothed in a long dressing gown of black velvet, which increased the pallor of his features, was seated before a large table covered with a green cloth. On this table was the schoolmaster's pocket book the pinchbeck chain of the chouette to which was suspended the little saint-esprit of lapis lazuli the blood-stained stiletto with which murphy had been stabbed the crowbar with which the door had been forced and the five notes of a thousand francs each which the chourineur had fetched out of the next apartment the negro doctor was seated at one side of the table the chourineur on the other the schoolmaster tightly bound with cords and unable to move a limb was placed in a large armchair on casters in the middle of the salon the people who had brought in this man had withdrawn and rodolph the doctor the chourineur and the assassin were left alone rodolph was no longer out of temper but calm sad and collected he was about to discharge a solemn self-imposed and important duty the doctor was lost in meditation the chourineur felt an indescribable fear he could not take his eyes off rodolph the schoolmaster's countenance was ghastly he was in an agony of fear the most profound silence reigned within nothing was heard but the splash splash of the rain without as it fell from the roof on to the pavement rodolph addressed the schoolmaster anselme durenel you have escaped from the bang at rochefort where you were condemned for life for forgery robbery and murder it's false said the schoolmaster in a hollow voice and looking about him with his restless and glaring glance you are Anselme Durenel, and you murdered and robbed a cattle-dealer on the road to Poissy. It's a lie. You shall confess it presently. The scoundrel looked at Rodolph with an air of astonishment. This very night you came here to rob, and you have stabbed the master of this house. It was you who suggested this robbery, assuming an air of assurance. I was attacked, and I defended myself. The man you stabbed did not attack you. He was unarmed true i did suggest this robbery to you i'll tell you why last night only after having robbed a man and a woman in the cite you offered to kill me for a thousand francs i heard him said the chourineur the schoolmaster darted at him a glance of deadliest hate rodolph continued you see there was no occasion to tempt you to do mischief you are not my judge and i will not answer you another question i'll tell you why i propose this robbery to you i knew you were a runaway convict you know the parents of the unfortunate girl all whose misfortunes have been caused by your miserable accomplice the chouette i wish to draw you here by the temptation of a robbery because this was the only temptation that could avail with you once in my power i leave you the choice of being handed over to the hands of justice which will make you pay with your head the assassination of the cattle-dealer it is false i did not commit that crime or of being conducted out of france under my direction to a place of perpetual confinement where your lot will be less painful than that at the bang but i will only allow you this relaxation of punishment on condition that you give me the information which i desire to acquire condemned for life you have broken away from your confinement and by seizing upon you and placing you hereafter beyond the possibility of doing injury i serve society and from your confession i may perhaps find the means of restoring to her family a poor creature much more unfortunate than guilty this was my first intention 
it was not legal but your escape and your fresh crimes forbid any such course on my part now and place you beyond all law yesterday by a remarkable revelation i discovered that you are enseigne duranel it's false i am not called duranel rodolph took from the table the chain of the chouette and pointing to the little saint esprit of lapis lazuli said in a threatening voice sacrilege you have prostituted to an infamous wretch this holy relic thrice holy for your infant boy had this pious gift from his mother and grandmother the schoolmaster dumbfounded at this discovery lowered his head and made no response you carried off your child from his mother fifteen years ago and you alone possessed the secret of his existence i had in this an additional motive for laying hands on you when i had detected who you were i seek no revenge for what you have done to me personally but to-night you have again shed blood without provocation the man you have assassinated came to you in full confidence not suspecting your sanguinary purpose he asked you what you wanted your money or your life and you stabbed him with your poniard so monsieur murphy said when i first came to his aid said the doctor it's false he lied murphy never lies said rodolph calmly your crimes demand a striking reparation you came into this garden forcibly you stabbed a man that you might rob him you have committed another murder you ought to die on this spot but pity respect for your wife and son they shall save you from the shame of a scaffold it will be said that you were killed in a brawl with weapons in your hand prepare the means for your punishment are at hand rodolph's countenance was implacable the schoolmaster had remarked in the next room two men armed with carbines his name was known he thought they were going to make away with him and bury in the shade of his later crimes and thus spare his family the new opprobrium like his fellows this wretch was as cowardly as he was ferocious thinking his hour was come he trembled and cried mercy no mercy for you said rodolph if your brains are not blown out here the scaffold awaits you i prefer the scaffold i shall live at least two or three months longer why why should i be punished at once mercy mercy but your wife your son they bear your name my name is dishonoured already if only for eight days let me live in mercy do not even that contempt of life which is sometimes displayed by the greatest criminals said rodolph with disgust besides the law forbids any one to take justice into their own hands said the schoolmaster with assurance the law the law exclaimed rodolph do you dare to invoke the law you who have always lived in open revolt and constant enmity against society the ruffian bowed his head and made no answer then added in a more humble tone at least for pity's sake spare my life will you tell me where your son is yes yes i will tell you all i know will you tell me who are the parents of the young girl whose childhood the chouette made one scene of torture in my pocket-book there are papers which will put you on the track of the persons who gave her to the chouette where is your son will you let me live first make a full confession and then when i have told you all said the schoolmaster with hesitation you have killed him 
no no i have confided him to one of my accomplices who when i was apprehended effected his escape what did he do with him he brought him up and gave him an education which fitted him to enter into a banking-house at nantes so that we might get information manage an introduction to the banker and so facilitate our plans although at rochefort and preparing for my escape i arranged this plan and corresponded in cipher with my friend oh mon dieu his child his son this man appalls me cried rodolph with horror and hiding his head between his hands but it was only a forgery that we thought exclaimed the scoundrel and when my son was informed what was expected of him he was indignant told all to his employer and quitted nantes you will find in my pocket-book notes of all the steps taken to discover his traces the last place we ascertained he had lived in was the rue du temple where he was known under the name of francois germain the exact address is also in my pocket-book you see i do not wish to conceal anything i have told you everything i know now keep your promise i only ask you to have me taken into custody for this night's robbery and the cattle merchant at poissy that affair can never be brought to light there are no proofs i own it to you in proof of the sincerity with which i am speaking but before any other person i should deny all knowledge of the business you confess it then do you i was destitute without the smallest means of living the chouette instigated me to do it but now i sincerely repent ever having listened to her i do indeed ah would you but generously save me from the hands of justice i would promise you most solemnly to forsake all such evil practices for the future be satisfied your life shall be spared neither will i deliver you into the hands of the law do you then pardon me exclaimed the schoolmaster as though doubting what he heard can it be can you be so generous as to forgive i both judge you and award your sentence cried rodolph in a solemn tone i will not surrender you to the power of the laws because they would condemn you to the galleys or the scaffold and that must not be no for many reasons the galleys would but open a fresh field for the development of your brutal strength and villainy which would soon be exercised in endeavouring to obtain domination over the guilty or unfortunate beings you would be associated with to render yourself a fresh object of horror or of dread for even crime has its ambition and yours has long consisted in a pre-eminence in vicious deeds and monstrous vices while your iron frame would alike defy the labours of the oar or the chastisement of those set over you and the strongest chains may be broken the thickest wall pierced through steep ramparts have been scaled before now and you might one day burst your yoke and be again let loose upon society like an infuriated beast marking your passage with murder and destruction for none would be safe from your herculean strength or from the sharpness of your knife therefore such consequences must be avoided but since the galleys might fail to stop your infamous career how is society to be preserved from your brutal violence the scaffold comes next in consideration it is my life then you seek cried the ruffian my life oh spare it peace coward hope not that i mean so speedy a termination to your just punishment no your eager craving after a wretched existence would prevent you from suffering the agony of anticipated death and far from dwelling upon the scaffold and the block 
your guilty soul would be filled with schemes of escape and hopes of pardon neither would you believe you were truly doomed to die till in the very grasp of the executioner and even in that terrible moment it is probable that brutalized by terror you would be a mere mass of human flesh offered up by justice as an expiatory offering to the manes of your victims that mode of settling your long and heavy accounts will not half pay the debt no poor wretched trembling craven we must devise a more terrific method of atonement for you at the scaffold i repeat you would cling to hope while one breath remained within you wretch that you are you would dare to hope you who have denied all hope and mercy to so many unhappy beings no no unless you repent and that with all your heart for the misdeeds of your infamous life i would in this world at least shut out from you the faintest glimmer of hope what man is this what have i ever done to injure him whence comes he thus to torture me where am i asked the schoolmaster in almost incoherent tones and nearly frantic with terror rodolph continued if even you could meet death with a man's courage i would not have you ascend the scaffold for you it would be merely the arena in which like many others you would make a disgusting display of hardened ferocity or dying as you have lived exhale your last sigh with an impious scoff or profane blasphemy that must not be permitted it is a bad example to set before a gazing crowd the spectacle of a condemned being making sport of the instrument of death swaggering before the executioner and yielding with an obscene jest the divine spark infused into man by the breath of a creating god to punish the body is easily done to save the soul is the great thing to be laboured for and desired all sin may be forgiven said our blessed saviour but from the tribunal to the scaffold the passage is too short time and opportunity are required to repent and make atonement this leisure you shall have may god grant that you turn it to the right purpose the schoolmaster remained utterly bewildered for the first time in his life a vague and confused dread of something more horrible far than death itself crossed his guilty mind he trembled before the suggestions of his own imagination rodolph went on anselme duresnel i will not sentence you to the galleys neither shall you die then do you intend sending me to hell or what are you going to do with me listen said rodolph rising from his seat with an air of menacing authority you have wickedly abused the great bodily strength bestowed upon you i will paralyze that strength the strongest have trembled before you i will make you henceforward shrink in the presence of the weakest of beings assassin murderer you have plunged god's creatures into eternal night your darkness shall commence even in this life now this very hour your punishment shall be proportioned to your crimes but added rodolph with an accent of mournful pity the terrible judgment i am about to pronounce will at least leave the future open to your efforts for pardon and for peace i should be guilty as you are were i in punishing you to seek only for vengeance just as is my right to demand it far from being unrelenting as death your sentence shall bring forth good fruits for hereafter far from destroying your soul it shall help you seek its salvation 
if to prevent you from further violating the commandments of your maker i forever deprive you of the beauties of this outer world if i plunge you into impenetrable darkness with no other companion than the remembrance of your crimes it is that you may incessantly contemplate their enormity yes separated for ever from this external world your thoughts must needs revert to yourself and your vision dwell internally upon the bygone scenes of your ill-spent life and i am not without hope that such a mental and constantly presented picture will send the blush of shame even upon your hardened features that your soul deadened as it now is to every good and holy impulse will become softened and tender by repentance your language too will be changed and good and prayerful words take place of those daring and blasphemous expressions which now disgrace your lips you are brutal and overbearing because you are strong you will become mild and gentle when you are deprived of that strength now your heart scoffs at the very mention of repentance but the day will come when bowed to the earth with deep contrition you will bewail your victims in dust and ashes you have degraded the intelligence placed within you by a supreme power you have reduced it to the brutal instincts of rapine and murder from a man formed after the image of his creator you have made yourself a beast of prey one day as i trust and believe that intelligence will be purified by remorse and rendered again guiltless through divine expiation you more inhuman than the beast which perisheth have trampled on the tender feelings by which even animals are actuated you have been the destroyer of your partner and your offspring after a long life entirely devoted to the expiation of your crimes you may venture to implore of the almighty the great though unmerited happiness of obtaining the pardon of your wife and son and dying in their presence as rodolph uttered these last words his voice trembled with emotion and he was obliged to conclude the schoolmaster's terrors had during this long discourse entirely yielded to an opinion that he was only to be subjected to a long lecture on morality and so forth and then discharged upon his own promise of amendment for the many mysterious words uttered by rodolph he looked upon as mere vague expressions intended to alarm him nothing more still further reassured by the mild tone in which rodolph had addressed him the ruffian assumed his usually insolent air and manner as he said bursting into a loud and vulgar laugh well done upon my word a very good sermon and very well spoken only we must recollect where we leave off in our moral catechism that we may begin all right next lesson day come let us have something lively now what do you say master would you guess a charade or two just to enliven us a bit instead of replying rodolph addressed the black doctor proceed david and if i do wrong may the almighty punish me alone the negro rang two men entered david pointed to a side door which opened into an adjoining closet the chair in which the schoolmaster remained bound so as to be incapable of the smallest movement was then rolled into the anteroom are you going to murder me then mercy mercy shrieked the wretched man as he was being removed gag him cried the negro entering the closet rodolph and the chourineur were left alone monsieur rodolph said the chourineur pale and trembling monsieur rodolph what is going to be done i never felt so frightened pray speak 
i must be dreaming surely what have they done to the schoolmaster he does not cry out all is so silent it makes me more fearful still at this moment david issued from the cabinet his complexion had that livid hue peculiar to the negro countenance while his lips were ashy pale the men who had conveyed the schoolmaster into the closet now replaced him still bound in his chair on the spot he had previously occupied in rodolph's presence unbind him and remove the gag exclaimed david there was a moment of fearful silence while the two attendants relieved the schoolmaster of his gag and untied the cords which bound him to the chair as the last ligature gave way he sprang up his hideous countenance expressing rage horror and alarm he advanced one step with extended hands then falling back into the chair he uttered a cry of unspeakable agony and raising his hands towards the ceiling exclaimed with maddened fury blind by heaven give him this pocket-book david said rodolph the negro placed a small pocket-book in the trembling hands of the schoolmaster you will find in that pocket-book wherewithal to provide yourself with a home and the means of living for the remainder of your days go seek out some safe and solitary dwelling where by humble repentance you may seek to propitiate an offended god you are free go and repent the lord is merciful and his ears are ever open to such as truly repent blind quite blind repeated the schoolmaster mechanically grasping the pocket-book open the doors let him depart said rodolph blind blind repeated the bewildered and discomfited ruffian you are free you have the means of providing for yourself be gone and whither am i to go exclaimed he with the most unbounded rage you have taken away my sight how then do i know in which direction to go call you not this a crime thus to abuse your power over one unhappily in your hands thus to to abuse my power repeated rodolph in a solemn voice and how have you employed the power granted to you how used your superior strength oh death how gladly would i now accept you cried the wretched man to be henceforward at every one's mercy to fear the weakest the smallest object a child might now master me gracious god what will become of me you have plenty of money it will be taken from me cried the ruffian mark those words it will be taken from me see how they fill you with fear and dread you have plundered so many unmindful of their helpless destitute condition begone for the love of god cried the schoolmaster in a suppliant tone let some person lead me forth what will become of me in the streets oh in mercy kill me take my miserable life but do not turn me out thus wretched thus helpless kill for pity's sake and save me from being crushed beneath the first vehicle i encounter no live and repent repent shouted the schoolmaster in a fearful voice never i will live for vengeance for deep and fearful vengeance and again he threw himself from the chair holding his clenched fists in a menacing attitude towards the ceiling as though calling upon heaven to witness the fixedness of his resolve 
in an instant his step faltered he again hesitated as though fearful of a thousand dangers alas alas i cannot proceed i dare not move and i lately so strong and so dreaded by all look at me now yet no one pities me no one cares for me no hand is stretched out to help the wretched blind upon his lonely way it is impossible to express the stupefaction and alarm expressed by the countenance of the chourineur during this terrible scene his rough features exhibited the deepest compassion for his fallen foe and approaching rodolph he said in a low tone monsieur rodolph he was an accomplished villain and has only got what he richly deserves he wanted to murder me a little while ago too but he is now blind he does not even know how to find his way out of the house and he may be crushed to death in the streets may i lead him to some safe place where at least he may remain quiet for a time nobly said replied rodolph kindly pressing the hand of the chourineur go my worthy fellow go with him by all means the chourineur approached the schoolmaster and laid his hand on his shoulder the miserable villain started who touches me asked he in a husky voice it is i i who who are you friend or foe the chourineur and you have come to avenge yourself now you find i am incapable of protecting myself i suppose nothing of the sort here take my arm you cannot find the way out by yourself let me lead you there you chourineur you yes for all you doubt it but you vex me by not seeming to like my help come hold tight by me i will see you all right before i leave you are you quite sure you do not mean me some harm that you are only laying a trap to ensnare me i am not such a scoundrel as to take advantage of your misfortune but let us be gone come on old fellow it will be daylight directly day which i shall never more behold day and night to me are henceforward all the same exclaimed the schoolmaster in such piteous tones that rodolph unable longer to endure this scene abruptly retired followed by david who first dismissed his two assistants the chourineur and the schoolmaster remained alone after a lengthened silence the latter spoke first by inquiring whether it were really true that the pocket-book presented to him contained money yes i can positively speak to its containing five thousand francs replied the chourineur since i put them in it with my own hand with that sum you could easily place yourself to board with some quiet good sort of people who would look to you in some retired spot in the country where you might pass your days happily or would you like me to take you to the ogresses she she would not leave me a rap well then will you go to bras rouge no no he would poison me first and rob me afterwards well then where shall i take you i know not happily for both you are no thief chourineur here take my pocket-book and conceal it carefully in my waistcoat that la chouette may not see it she would plunder me of every sou oh bless you the chouette is quite safe just now she lies in the hôpital beaujon while i was struggling with you both to-night i happened to dislocate her leg so she's obliged to lie up for the present but what in heaven's name shall i do with this black curtain continually before my eyes in vain i try to push it away 
it is still there fixed immovable and on its surface i see the pale ghastly features of those he shuddered and said in a low hoarse voice chourineur did i quite do for that man last night no so much the better observed the robber and then after some minutes silence he exclaimed under a fresh impulse of ungovernable fury and it is you i have to thank for all this rascal scoundrel i hate you but for you i should have stiffened my man and walked off with his money my very blindness i owe to you my curse is upon you for your meddling interference but through you i should have had my blessed eyes to see my own way with how do i know what devil's trick you are planning at this moment try to forget all that is past it can't be helped now and do not put yourself in such a terrible way it is really very bad for you come come along now no nonsense will you yes or no because i am regularly done up and must get a short snooze somewhere i can tell you i have had a bellyful of such doings and to-morrow i shall get back to my timber pile and earn an honest dinner before i eat it i am only waiting to take you wherever you decide upon going and then on goes my nightcap and i goes to sleep but how can i tell you where to take me when i do not know myself my lodging no no that will not do i should be obliged to tell well then hark ye will you for a day or two make shift with my crib i may meet with some decent sort of people who not knowing who you really are would receive you as a boarder and we might say you were a confirmed invalid and require great care and perfect retirement now i think of it there is a person of my acquaintance living at port st nicolas has a mother a very worthy woman but in humble circumstances residing at st mandé very likely she would be glad to take charge of you what do you say will you come or not one may trust you chourineur i am not at all fearful of going money and all to your place happily you have kept yourself honest amidst all the evil example others have set you ay and even bore the taunts and jests you used to heap upon me because i would not turn prig like yourself alas who could foresee now you see if i had listened to you instead of trying to be of real service to you i should clean you out of all your cash true true but you are a downright good fellow and have neither malice nor hatred in your heart said the unhappy schoolmaster in a tone of deep dejection and humility you are a vast deal better to me than i fear i should have been to you under the same circumstances i believe you too why m rodolph himself told me i had both heart and honour but who the devil is this m rodolph exclaimed the schoolmaster breaking out fresh at the mention of his name he is not a man he is a monster a fiend a hold hold cried the chourineur now you are going to have another fit which is bad for you and very disagreeable to me because it makes you abuse my friends come are you ready shall we set forth on our journey we are going to your lodging are we not chourineur yes yes if you are agreeable and you swear to me that you bear me no ill will for the events of the last twelve hours swear it of course i swear it why i have no ill will against you nor anybody and you are certain that he the man i mean is not dead 
i am as sure of it as that i am living myself that will at least give me one crime the less to answer for if they only knew and that little old man of the rue du roule and that woman of the canal saint martin but it is useless thinking of all those things now i have enough to occupy my thoughts without trying to recall past misfortunes blind blind repeated the miserable wretch as leaning on the arm of the chourineur he slowly took his departure from the house in the allée des veuves End of chapter seventeen